You're listening to Infinite Banking Radio with your host, Patrick Donahoe. You know, there's solutions out there to every one of the financial problems that Americans are facing today, and those solutions are right underneath their nose. The Infinite Banking concept has helped hundreds of thousands of individuals manage their hard-earned money effectively using time-tested financial principles that cannot fail. The intent of this podcast is to awaken these time-tested principles and reinstate certainty into the financial makeup of Americans. Our society is saturated in debt. Our portfolios are made up of the same speculative investments and theories that have failed us time and time again. The banking and securities industries have ruled financial planning for decades, and the only true benefactors are them. The infinite banking concept has proven to be the ideal solution. Hi, everybody. Thank you for downloading this week's podcast. This is Patrick Donahoe. I uh, have a, a great honor and privilege today uh, to have Dr. Edward Hudgens on the phone. He is uh, he, he is right now a scholar and director of advocacy at the Atlas Society. And with the Atlas Society, there is, is some exciting news about the, uh, the next two weeks, uh, which are the weeks prior to the release of Atlas Shrugged Part 1. Uh, so, Edward, I, I, I appreciate you being on with us today. Yeah, glad to be with you. So why don't you uh, just take a moment and, and introduce yourself. I think it would take probably an entire half hour to, to talk about your accolades, uh, but why don't you give us an idea of you know who you are and, and what the Atlas Society is about? Okay, yeah, well, me, my, myself personally, I, um, I'm a director of advocacy and a scholar here at the uh, Atlas Society, meaning that I write lots of op-eds, I give lots of speeches, and uh, uh, promoting the uh, philosophy of objectivism. My background is in political philosophy. I have a Ph.D. from Catholic University, which is here in Washington. I've uh, taught in the United States and Germany. I've, <clears throat> I worked for some years for the Cato Institute, reg, uh, editing Regulation Magazine. I have some books I've edited, including Space, the Free Market Frontier, a couple on privatizing the Postal Service. I worked at the Joint Economic Committee of Congress. I uh, worked at the uh, Heritage Foundation, uh, doing a lot of regulatory issues, international development. So um, I've been out there uh, fighting for freedom for quite a long you, time. You've been around the block, it sounds like. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So, and, uh, so what does your current position at the Atlas Society consist of? Yeah, well, right now I'm director of advocacy, and I've done other things here um, uh, uh, as well. Uh, and you know, as the as the uh, name indicates, I uh, spend a lot of time promoting the philosophy in various ways through our website, through writings, uh, op eds that might get into newspapers, uh, interviews like I'm doing right now, television appearances, uh, speeches. It's, in fact, I've got to go to the Bahamas uh, to do a uh, a scholarly talk uh, in about two weeks which is unfortunate because it's literally like the day before the premiere of Atlas Shrugged in Washington, so I have to rush right back uh, <laughs> uh, to, uh, uh, to do that. So, um, so, John, so John Galt start, you know, starts his speech at the end of Atlas Shrugged with, I am the man who loves his life. You're probably the man that loves his job, sounds like. <laughs> well, I love, I love the job, and the, the life's uh, pretty good as well. I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm the, by the way, on a personal note, I'm the uh, uh, father of uh, two little girls, uh, about 10 weeks old now, so I'm enjoying the hell out of that. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. So, 
Yeah, so I'm, a, I'm an objectivist with a, a heavy family value, you might say. <laughs> so, um, object, I mean, objectivism isn't, I mean, relatively speaking, it's a newer newer philosophy, but it, it derives from uh, Ayn Rand's f- philosophy, and obviously her, her treatise on objectivism or individualism is is her, her book, Atlas, Atlas Shrugged. So, why don't you maybe spend a moment just talking about individualism, talking about objectivism, and, and what sure. role it plays in philosophy? Yeah, uh, Ayn Rand. I consider her part of the what I would call the general Enlightenment tradition, and you know, I'd put it. I, I would uh, trace it back as she would, by the way, all the way to Aristotle. Um, the philosophy, which I think is best uh, illustrated in her novel. Atlas Shrugged, uh, you might say, has four major components. In, in, the, in the field of metaphysics, the, the nature of reality, reality is objective. Reality is not a matter of, well, some people have this opinion of it, and other people have that opinion of it. It's all just a matter of your opinion, or it's all a matter of a social construct. There's a different reality for people of different races, or this or that. Or this. No, reality is objective. It's there. It's hard, okay? And uh, uh, second, epistemology, that is, how do we know the world? Rand says, we know it through our reason. That's the unique capacity of human beings uh, to understand the world conceptually. We have different capacities than lower animals. We can, uh, uh, we can think about, uh, uh, we can rem- remember the past even though we're living only in the moment. We can imagine the future. Um, and it's only through our rational minds that we can figure out how to survive and to flourish. We have to think. In fact, Rand says the first virtue, the first moral virtue, is to think, to focus your mind, which gets us into the field of ethics. Uh, Rand says, and I agree with her, of course, that the foundation of ethics is the individual. Um, uh, the, the purpose of ethics is to teach us how to live and to flourish as individuals. Uh, she does something very unique. Uh, most people would say, well, what's good or bad, good or evil, and so forth. Rand asks a more fundamental question. Why do we need ethics to begin with? Why do we need a moral code to begin with? And the answer is because we are creatures who have free will, who have a certain amount of autonomy, uh, and in order to survive, we have to choose how to act. We can't just use instincts and so forth. And then, of course, uh, the, 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 the final thing is in politics and social, and, and you might say is social theory. And her notion is that because we're each unique individuals, because we each have to use our minds and our independent judgment to determine uh, what the nature of reality is, what's best for us in our lives, we have to be free in a social context to act as we wish as long as we do not initiate the use of force or fraud against others. In other words, we treat others with respect and we expect that others are going to treat us with respect. We deal with each other based on mutual consent. And if we can't consent, we go our separate ways. And, and I think that kind of in, in contrast, I mean, there, there's obviously an overwhelming uh, philosophy in regards to collectivism these days. And that's kind of the, she, she was trying to combat, she obviously through yeah. all of her books, whether it's the, the actual novel, Novels or or the books that she that she wrote the you know for the new intellectual or capitalism the unknown ideal it, it was basically to, co- to combat that right now our society is 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 saturated saturated with that collectivist mentality 
Um, I mean, lo looking at her philosophy and, and the implementation of her philosophy is really how a lot of the, the things that we have these days have been derived. I mean, individuals are, are, are the core basis for the invention of the television or the internet. Not, Al I mean, I don't know if Al Gore is the inventor of the internet, but I mean, it's, it, it, all comes, it, all comes from the, it all comes from the individual. We need specific grounds to, to operate at capacity. But yet, whenever we look at these things, we, we take them for granted. I mean, I've, I've always told you know, Mike. I have two little girls, four, four and six, and they're at their you know the age where they're they're starting to recognize things. And you know, even going through a, a grocery store and they're asking what's this or what's that. I mean, all of those things there have been derived by man and, and man's ability to think and man's ability to produce. But nobody nobody really thinks that these days. They they take it for granted and they think it's just it's just there because it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and by the way, this also calls attention to another very important uh, uh, emphasis that you find in Ayn Rand, almost unique among philosophers. Uh, she emphasized the importance of human achievement. Mm -hmm. In other words, the notion that uh, not only do we have to use our minds to figure out how to physically survive as well as to prosper and flourish, this is the thing to be celebrated. Uh, the way I like to put it is that we're all creators, whether we're uh, nurturing a child to maturity or a business to profitability, whether we're writing a song or a poem or a business plan or a dissertation, whether we're laying the bricks to a building or designing the building or arranging for its financing, these are all creative acts that call upon the best within us, our independent judgment, our honesty, uh, our rationality, and these are things that we sh of which we should be proud. Uh, this is this is interesting. Rand, uh, unlike a lot of philosophies, philosophies who they consider pride to be one of the deadly sins, Rand says no. True pride is the is is one of the top virtues. Aristotle actually called it the crown of all the virtues. And here we mean pride, not in I'm great, you know, compared to you. It's I've done. Well, I've you know uh, I, I've I've been a good creator. I've raised my children properly. I've run my business uh, you know with integrity and so forth. I should be proud of those achievements, and I shouldn't be apologizing for my virtues. But people, but people often are. I mean, the the successful right. are uh, the ones that are coveted. And be, because of that, you know, the, the ones that are successful don't want to flaunt their success for fear of being criticized. Yeah, and this is, by the way, for those who are interested in political freedom, hopefully a lot of your uh, listeners. Most are. <laughs> uh, here is, here, here you're getting to something that's very, a very important insight that if you really want in the long term to fight for freedom, you better recognize. Uh, Rand had a concept called the sanction of the victim. This is the notion that those who uh, should be celebrating their virtues, their creativity, and so forth, apologize for it. Yeah. In other words, in this country, the business people, uh, I'm just talking about the honest one, not the dishonest ones or the ones who are taking from the government, but the honest business people uh, should should not be apologizing for creating the richest country on the planet. Yep. And when, when, the, when the leftists uh, come at them and, you know, basically say, how can you justify, you know, your, you know, not, you know, your, your, your wealth? The answer is, how the hell can you, and who the hell are you to tell me that I shouldn't have it? I've earned it. Yep. That's the answer. Uh, you haven't. Uh, it's my life, not your life. And, uh, you know, assuming that people, are, these are honest business people or whatever their, their field, uh, they sh that's the way they should look at it. Think of it this way. Um, how, what kind of a country would we have if 
everybody uh, thought of their own lives and their own achievements the way they thought of their own children. And how would they think if somebody were going to be uh, molesting and bothering and trying to manipulate their children? You know, there's in, the, in this case, their spiritual children. Mm-hmm. If people got absolutely incensed and outraged when politicians try to run their lives, when politicians say, we know you're too stupid to make decisions for yourself, so we're going to go ahead and do it for you. We're going to take away the responsibility for your lives, and we're going to take it into our hands. Any kind of person with any kind of self-esteem would say, "You, I'm not going to repeat the words here because I assume that we have a civil audience, but <laughs> you can imagine what any kind of a decent person would say to politicians like that. You know, you get the hell out of my face. I hire you. We hire you to protect our lives, liberty, and property, not to come in and run our own lives, you know, not to steal our money, not to, you know, manipulate us, you know, stick to the business we've hired you for, you know, or else. That's, now imagine a country of people with that morality. Well, we wouldn't be talking about all the problems we have today, would we? And these would be people, this is another important insight. A lot of people say, well, individualism is against, um, you know, society. It's a kind of a narcissistic philosophy. Well, no, that's not true. Um, Individualism says that you put your own life and your own well-being and your own happiness first. Now, this is going to involve other people. In many cases, there are a lot of people you don't want to deal with because they're not worth it. But when you're talking (laughs) about friends, wives, uh, children, loved ones, of course, these are the people who are of value to you. But let's think even wider. What kind of a country would we have if I, Ed Hudgens, do the things that I love and I you know, act with integrity and honesty and, 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 and reason and so forth, and you do the same thing, and someone who's an astronomer does the same thing, and someone who's a teacher does the same thing, and someone who's a bricklayer does the same thing, and a manufacturer does the same thing, and all. We would have a society in which uh, we would all be enriched and entertained uh, and educated and enlightened and inspired by our fellows. It would be a society that we would be thrilled to live in because we're all following our own rational self-interest. But at the same time, I mean, you, you obviously you look at the overwhelming majority today, and that that philosophy, what you're talking about right now, is completely contradicted to what people think that they want, because it's it's become a very entitled entitled uh, um, population, and and it's and it's unfortunate because. What you said, there there have been societies that have been based on the opposite tenets of what you've been explaining, and they've never mm-hmm. succeeded just merely for the fact that you know that it's against human nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, that's that's true, and this is why I say that those who are interested in freedom, who are interested in uh, uh, limited government, you know, uh, rule of law, constitutionalism, and and the like, have to go to this deeper level and fight for the morality uh, that supports that sort of a system. Because again, if every time the left uses envy hatred of the good for being the good, right? And guilt trips people, uh, you know, and then therefore people simply surrender their freedom. Um, well, you know, they've got you. In other words, if they control the morality, then they're going to twist you. If they don't control that morality, if you control the morality, if you say my morality is rational self-interest and I could be guilt-tripped by you SOBs, then they don't have any uh, control over you. They don't have any power over you. 
No. Well, let's let's kind of shift gears. I know we just have a, a limited time with you. Um, so, so Atlas Atlas Shrugged has obviously been considered one of the the most amazing books ever ever written, um, and, and now it's coming into coming into movie form. Now, this is obviously something that's been tried to uh, you know come to fruition for a lo- long time now, and, and finally it's yep. here in, in in two weeks. Um, why don't you give us a, an idea of um, what the uh, what the initial reaction to some of the original screen or the, the first screenings were, uh, some yeah. of the reviews, some of the excitement and momentum that the movie is building. Well, uh, you know, we for for uh, well, the movie was made by John Aglioloro, uh, who's one of our trustees at the Atlas Society. He's been trying for 18 years to make the movie. He finally he wanted to get a studio to do it, and they kept falling through, or they got cold feet. So he teamed up with Harmon Caslow and made it himself. And they funded it themselves, correct? He funded it himself out of his own pocket. He's a true Randian hero. Uh, And uh, uh, they've been having some showings, uh, you know, preliminary showings around the country. The reactions have been very good. If you go to our website, www.atlassociety.org, you can find, uh, for example, a review by David Kelly, who's uh, the founder of our organization of the uh, movie, uh, Needless to say a very positive uh, review. <laughs> uh, I understand today, by the way, from I've been in a lot of meetings uh, promoting and planning about it. I understand that um, in the New York theater, one of the New York City theaters where the movie is going to be premiering, the uh, Regal uh, Union Square Stadium 14 was one of these great big mega theaters. Uh, at least one of the uh, uh, of the showings for the first uh, day has already sold out. Oh wow! And I That's understand awesome. there have already been some some sellouts in other theaters around the country. Initially, the producers, because it's an independently made film, they didn't have a studio to distribute it. So they've been doing this all virtually and online. If you go to their website, which is Atlas Society Part One, the number one, the numeral one, dot com, you can find a lot of material about the, where it's playing. Is and it how at, you Atlas know. Shrugged? Atlas Shrugged Part Atlas, One? Atlas, sorry, sorry, sorry. Atlas Shrugged Part One. Got it, okay. Uh, with the number one.com. Atlas Shrugged Part One.com. You can find a lot of material on there. And also on our website, we have a whole thing on uh, a call to action how you can help get it in your local uh, theaters. But initially, the producers wanted to get it into theaters in 11 major markets, and then it would, hopefully it would do well the first weekend and then go into other theaters. But even before the opening, it's already been spreading to theaters that were not on the main list. It's in Nashville, Tennessee now. I know it's in Memphis. In fact, they haven't even gotten the Memphis one listed uh, yet. It's in Richmond, Virginia now. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's in Atlanta, Georgia now. And uh, it's in about 90 uh, theaters now, and we're expecting probably 200 theaters by the time it opens. So for people in Salt Lake City and other places, uh, do not despair. Um, it, you know, it could still come to your theater, and if you go to the call to action uh, uh, thing on our website under you know the Atlas uh, Shrugged uh, uh, movie section, uh, there's a list of things you can do to help get it into your local uh, 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 theater. Yeah, you can actually demand it, and they would, and they count they count the amount of demands there are. So, so yeah, and, yep. and we'll put all of these links on the uh, on the podcast blog as well. So. Mm-hmm. Great. That's ex- mm-hmm. that's exciting. I mean, what? I mean, I, I think over the last couple of years, I mean, there's been. Um, I'm I'm a huge advocate of the the Mises Institute, the Cato Institute, the Heritage Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, Foundation for Economic Education. I mean, there's a lot of mo- momentum being uh, that, that's building with this mm-hmm. with this ph- philosophy. Um, do mm-hmm. you think that this is going to be a, another catalyst to to kind of get the message out there? 
Absolutely. I mean, in a sense, you've seen what in the last couple of years, um, you've seen an incredible growth in interest in Atlas Shrugged in particular, as well as Rand's uh, uh, ideas. Uh, uh, not. Not uh, in, not uh, unrelated to the fact that Obama was elected president. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first pieces that was done literally uh, just before his inauguration was done by Steve Moore, who is an old, he's an old friend of mine uh, from the Heritage days. Not, the not Michael days, Moore, right? Not Michael Moore. Steve <laughs> Moore writes for the Wall Street Journal, and he did a piece called Atlas Shrugged from, uh, from Fiction to Fact in 52 Years. Uh, and... It was about all the parallels between the book and uh, uh, what's happening in the world today. And you can read, by the way, on our website, we have a number of pieces by me and David Kelly and others about exactly this. If you go, I spoke at the first Tea Party in Washington, D.C., standing in front of the White House. It was raining. It was cold. There were, you know, at least 1,500 people there. And uh, standing up on the podium, I noticed signs, you know, who is John Gold? Atlas will shrug, et cetera, et cetera. That's awesome. And we've seen that at, we've seen that at Tea Parties around the country where people are saying, well, it's, it's just like this novel. You know, here's a novel that talks about, um, you know, a huge part of the country, uh, you know, starting, you know, from Wisconsin, uh, collapsing because of bankers who make loans based on need rather than capacity to pay. What yep. does that sound like, Fannie and Freddie? Yeah. We have a city uh, that falls apart because the auto industry there is so mismanaged and so forth. Hmm, what city does that sound like is happening Day. The parallels are rather intriguing. No, and and the thing is, I mean, you, you look at what's been created as as the scapegoat, and it's and it's been capitalism, and so people yeah. have you know taken that for for what the pedestal people say, right. uh, such as such as the Michael Moore who did a, I mean, to me it's a parody about about capitalism, but it it's uh, it's obviously a very misunderstood misunderstood yeah. concept. So how would you, how would you address that? Okay, here's the thing. By the way, Rand is very interesting because she has in her novel, and as those who go to the movie will see, both the heroes and the villains are business people. You know, for the most part in movies, you see the business people are always the nasty villains. And Rand, no, the business people are heroes and they're villain ones. And the reason is because they're business people who, uh, who make money and who become rich because they create goods and services for willing customers. And then there are those who basically make money. Well, they don't make money. They take money. Yeah. They uh, basically uh, buy through government favors, through corruption, and so forth. Um, capitalism is a system in which individuals deal with one another based on mutual consent uh, rather than the use of force. It's based on the trader principle. You are allowed to own property. You're allowed to acquire property by producing goods and trading with others. That's what capitalism is. There's nothing in this philosophy about getting the government to crush your competitors. Okay? Uh, there's nothing about getting humongous government handouts, you know, billions of dollars, uh, you know, from taxpayers. Uh, you know, to, and and uh, you know, there's nothing in it about the government forcing, for example, in the case of auto companies, forcing them to build, you know, so-called fuel-efficient cars that nobody wants to buy. Nothing in capitalism about that. Uh, Socialism or corporatism, more accurately, is a system in which governments and businesses collude, in which government uh, 
basically kind of acts as the referee and says, well, let me see. I think that you auto manufacturers should produce this and this and this, and I think you unions should get the following in terms of wages and privileges, and I think we think this and that and the other. In other words, it's a politically driven system. The currency is force. It's naked, uh, undisguised uh, political power, as opposed to capitalism, in which the only way you can get rich is convince enough people to buy your good or service voluntarily. If you can't do that, well, better find another job or you know, <laughs> do, do, do something else. That's that is, and that is that is the only system that respects the dignity of the individual, yeah. as opposed to a corporatist system or any other form of socialism, uh, in which somebody uh, pres- presumes to run your life and make your choices for you, which is uh, you. Know, Incredibly degrading to the individual. It's uh, it's the opposite of individual. It is. I mean, it complete it completely impedes that individual's mm-hmm. ability to progress, and it's un- and it's unfortunate because today, mm-hmm. I mean, I was looking at a uh, a chart the other day, and you know, fifteen twenty percent of the country uh, is is on food stamps. I mean, we're we're in a mm-hmm. very I mean, obviously, we've our success has been derived from from capitalism, but at the same time, we've you know a lot of people have bought into the entitlement philosophy and the the, the welfare society, and, it, and it's really unfortunate because there's so much progress that could happen because in, in every individual is an amazing amount of capacity if they That's understood right. what what their power and what their talents are and how to bring that uh, it bring to fruition, whether it's in the marketplace or a service and, and so forth, and it's unfortunate. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the other thing is that capitalism uh, is really the the the, the individual friendly system. It's the one that says everybody has the capacity uh, to do well in the system. Even people who you might say, some people say, well, uh, what happens if you're not a genius? If you're not a Bill Gates or a, a Steve Jobs or whatever? Well. Capitalism is the only system that really is going to allow you to achieve whatever is you know the, 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 the most you can in accordance with your capacities. But it's the system that allows the most productivity. So even the lowest person on the totem pole, you might say, can trade their labor for all sorts of stuff. Yep. You know, uh, uh, because we're if you're in a really productive society. Then uh, even you know even a common laborer can trade their 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 work for you know television sets and uh, automobiles and all sorts of stuff because those products are produced uh, cheaply and uh, are you know open to almost everyone being able to purchase. And someone that would say that to themselves that I'm I'm not a genius is is personally de- degrading because the thing is it's it's ideas amazing ideas happen. You know, happen in an instant. They're not just this culminating, you know, amount of events and bang, you have this amazing idea. I mean, it happens on a whim, and that's where amazing things are created, amazing solutions, products, and so forth. Technology is 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 created, and someone having that mentality is just prolonging the ability to have that type of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and the other thing is, there's nothing more satisfying in life. Than knowing that you have worked yourself and earned something. Yeah. Uh, if you if you basically are making your living by begging and stealing or using political power to get the government to do it for you, 
You really can't look in a mirror and say, boy, am I ever proud of myself. You can't do that. Yep. So then you have to kind of close your mind. You have to stop thinking. Whenever someone starts to talk about, uh, why, you know, why are you doing this, you have to scream and yell and shout to basically keep yourself from thinking about what you're doing. That is, you're stealing, you're telling your fellows that you owe me a living. David Kelly, by the way, our founder, wrote a book uh, that uh, the Cato Institute uh, sells. You can probably get it on Amazon and places like that. It's called A Life of One's Own. Hmm. And the whole premise is that, uh, you know, the, you know, the whole phrase, you know, uh, I don't know you a living. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you, you got to take that seriously. You don't owe anybody a living. You owe yourself, you know, to basically do the best you can for yourself, your family, your friends, and so forth. And uh, you know, others should be, uh, others should say, I should do the same for myself, and not rely on stealing from those uh, who you know are the productive, and then damning them in the process. Yeah. Another insight, Rand says, is that they, the people, the, the productive people from whom the, uh, the the unproductive need to steal through, again, government favors or whatever, um, also get damned for their virtues, yep. uh, which is incredible. And again, if the productive people in the, in, in the world and in the country uh, were to stand up and say, we're not going to take this anymore, we're not going to be victims you know, uh, uh, of you guys, go get, a, go get a damn job, do what we've done. <laughs> You know, uh, well, I then, think I then, think we're you know the consensus between the the both of us, and I'm sure in your your circle of influence is that this this philosophy, obviously, you know, dating back to to, to Aristotle, um, you know, obviously our our society is has has evolved since then, uh, but still the the same tenets of life are, are there, and mm-hmm. I, I think we can all agree kind of what impact this would have on on the world, especially right now, and I and I'm I'm grateful for what you what you guys represent, and I'm I'm really excited that this this movie is coming. Out, even if you know, to, to, it allows another person to read Atlas Shrugged the, the book. Because I'm sure that you know, a, a movie replacing a, a book like that would be would be relatively difficult. But at least if right. it gets an individual in the proper mindset, you can start to build on that, and more and more people obviously will, will create a revolution. And hopefully that's right. hopefully that's what's going right. to happen. And that, that's exactly that's exactly what we're hoping is that people will first of all see the movie and enjoy it. And by the way, they, they will enjoy the movie when they see it, <laughs> and they'll, they'll 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 be waiting for part two and three to come out, um, coming out on April 15th, appropriately. In the, the subsequent years, right? Deals from us. Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing is that what we hope is that people will say, hey, I need to read the book, or if I read it 20 years ago, I've got to go back and read it. And even more to say, what is the intriguing philosophy behind this book? And that's where we at the Atlas Society come in. That's kind of our expertise. I'm not a movie producer, uh, you know, though I've seen the movie, and I really I love it, I appreciate it. Uh, but what we can do is provide that philosophical background. And remember, it's the philosophy that is taught today uh, through the popular culture, through uh, uh, universities and so forth. That's what is going to determine how society, culture, and politics goes 20, 30 years from now. It was the poison that got into universities and into the culture 20, 30, 40 years ago that we're reaping the benefits, not the benefits, but we're reaping the uh, the consequences of today. Yeah. Similarly, that's how we have to look in the long term, and we hope people will start looking and questioning the fundamental 
values and uh, of, of our culture and come to the conclusion that rational individualism is the best for the individual. By definition, it's best for society. It creates a society in which we want to live. And a lot of the problems we have, we wouldn't have if people uh, ran their lives through this kind of this rational individualist uh, philosophy or approach. And it'd be, it'd be amazing if everybody did. But even even if you create just maybe double the, the amount of people that really understand the tenets mm-hmm. of the philosophy, that would make that would make a huge impact. And hopefully from there, it would have more clout. People would believe in individuals. I mean, it, I think that this hopefully creates somewhat of a, of a tidal wave throughout not just the, the United States, but everywhere. Yeah, we're, we're, by the way, we're, we're already getting uh, calls from people I know overseas who, you know, got one guy who says uh, he knows the head of the, the of uh, the major cinemas in Argentina. He wants to distribute it there. Got a guy uh, uh, who's an Italian. I'm, I'm a half Italian myself who wants to distribute in Italy. I got a call the other day from a friend I know in Germany saying, hey, when when can we get this over here in Germany? So Well, there's quite there's quite a few people that, that download this podcast in, in China and India, so... Maybe you can get it over there eventually. <laughs> yeah, by the way, I have a piece on our website about the, uh, uh, I think it's the seven major reasons why India is important to America and to the future of freedom. So if you have uh, uh, listeners in India, you might want to check out my piece, uh, okay. you know, Google Hudgens and in India. Hudgens in India. And I'll, I'll do that and put that link on, on the blog. Great. Well, well, Dr. Hudgens, it's been it's been amazing having you on, and we I, I really appreciate you. And again, I appreciate what you what you stand for. Uh, obviously, get get out and see the movie, uh, read read the book more importantly. And uh, again, for uh, for the links to, to see where that movie is playing, if it's in your town, uh, go. Uh, you'll, there'll be some links on the blog. And uh, also, if it's not in your town, I'll put the link to to basically vote so that it, it, it is in your town. Um, again, uh, for for uh, for those who have listened for the first time, you can go to our website to uh, to look into our company. It's www.paradigmlife.net. Uh, go back and listen to previous podcasts. Uh, last month, we had Tom Wheelwright, who is uh, the accountant for Robert Kiyosaki. He was on talking about tax strategy the time before. Uh, we've, we've had some individuals from the Mises Institute. So definitely check out our previous podcast. Uh, Dr. Hudgens, it was great to have you on, and uh, hopefully we can, uh, we can maybe do a, a part two of this. I would love to. I'd love to. Okay, great. All right, everybody. Have a great one. Okay, bye.